That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This week on The Takeout, from his very own office here in the Rayburn House office building, Republican congressman from Ohio and fierce Trump defender, Jim Jordan. Five, four, three, two, one, zero, ignition. Major Garrett, yes, CBS, yes, hi. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Major Garrett. From the nation's capital. Major, fantastic. It's The Takeout. Major. With CBS News Chief Washington Correspondent. Major, that's nonsense. Major Garrett. And you should know better. Welcome to the very best part of my broadcast week. I'm Major Garrett, Chief Washington Correspondent, CBS News, also host and creator of this amazing program known as The Takeout, which is each and every week, two things principally. Dear audience, you are probably familiar with those two things, but I love to remind you. One, relentlessly curious, two, steadfastly non-ideological. We talk to all parts and players in the political spectrum here in Washington. Politics, policy, a little bit of pop culture. Today we're not in a restaurant, and I'm going to explain that to you in a minute through the voice of our guest, because it was his choice, not mine. We're in his office, the Rayburn House office building. His name is Jim Jordan. You might be recognizing either the name or the voice or the face or the non-jacket attire, which he is frequently seen on Capitol Hill. Staunch defender of President Trump in most things, and most specifically, this impeachment drama still playing out in Washington. Jim Jordan, it's great to have you. Say hello, and thanks for being with us. Good to be with you. Thanks for having me. Uh, We're here in your office, Rayburn Office Building, the most stately and uh, marbled of the three house office buildings on Capitol Hill. Why are we here? Were you uncomfortable being out in public? No. uh, In fact, I, I, one of the things I said when I first, you know, got to Congress is that I'd never get an office in Rayburn, but (laughs) here I am. Um, The, uh, we started in Cannon and went to Longworth and here we are in Rayburn because I always thought Rayburn looked like a, looked more like a, you know, 1960s hospital uh, in the hallways and everything. But these were the new offices and we're here because of our staff. They, they, they like the, the bigger, the bigger office complex. So we're here. But I mean, usually we do this show out in public. Is there anything about this atmosphere right now that makes you feel less comfortable being out in public? Maybe for a prolonged period of time being hassled by the crowd or anything (laughs) like that? Well, I've had that happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, But no, no, it'd have been, it'd have been fine. I think this was just a little more for convenience because I got a, we got a committee that I got to get to right right at 10 o'clock. So let me ask you about some of the things. Now, folks, uh, full disclosure, you know we sometimes uh, tape this program right before we release it on Friday, sometimes a little bit before. This is a Wednesday morning. We have no idea. Jim Jordan doesn't know, and I don't know what's going to transpire in the next 48, 72 hours here in Washington. But I think you would agree with me, Congressman. It's a politically dramatic time. Things are hanging in the air. Well, and there's a degree of uncertainty yeah. about the direction of the Senate impeachment trial. Well, I don't think there's any uncertainty that the president's going to get, uh, you know, be acquitted. Uh, but we're, there's a bit of uncertainty to be specific about what's happen. going to happen and, yeah. and, and how or what the Senate is going to do on this hanging question of witnesses and more depositions documents. Yeah, and let's hope they don't go down the road of more witnesses. because. Why? Because there's never, it'll never be enough for the Democrats. I mean, the score is already 17 to 0 on the witness count. Adam Schiff subpoenaed every single witness in the House. So it was 17 of his witnesses, 17 of the Democrats' witnesses, 17 of the prosecution's witnesses. Define it however you want, but it was all their witnesses. We got zero. So it's 17 to 0. Now the Democrats in the Senate say, well, we want to make it 18 to 0. And then if Bolton comes in, they'll, they'll, after that, they'll say, well, no, we want to make it 19 to 0. And then. Is someone trying to get in? Yeah. <laughs> Well, someone's, trying, someone's either trying to get into the office or, oh, they're not. They're putting more uh, paintings up on the wall next door. It's, Imagine that. Yeah. Now, don't something. you have the clout to say, hey, knock it off? Well, you, you'd <laughs> typical, typical. Uh, now, this has Rayburn. never happened in a restaurant, so I, I will say, well, you know, thanks. Uh, we've got some improvisational theater going yeah, on right now. Yeah. Well, we got a restaurant. But time. To, we, got Dun- we got Dunkin' Donuts. But to your point about 17 you. to 0, I just want to clarify on that. Didn't some of the witnesses that appeared have a Republican thumbs up on them, Tim Morrison and Volcker, weren't they? So witnesses remember, you were in favor of having appear? 
Well, there were a couple of Adam Schiff's witnesses that we wanted to make sure showed up for the open hearing, so we put them on our list. But you don't any, count them, therefore, as Republican we witnesses. Didn't subpoena, we didn't get to subpoena anyone. These were all witnesses Adam Schiff called after the deposition. We thought, you know what? If we put them on our list, there's a better likelihood that Adam Schiff will let them come to the open hearing so the American people can actually see and hear from them under oath. So we did put them on our list, but that was after the fact. That was long after Adam Schiff had subpoenaed the, the, the individuals he wanted for the investigation he ran in the bunker in the basement of the Capitol where the American people couldn't see, and more importantly, where the president's lawyers were not allowed to be to cross-examine and, and to ask any questions of those witnesses. All right. Uh, for the Senate trial, answer this question, which is on the minds of a good number of Americans, if you believe the polling data. How can you have a trial without new witnesses or documents? They had, they had uh, the record in the House. And they had witnesses at the trial in the Senate. You saw them all on videotape, just like you did with the Clinton impeachment. So none of that changed. What they want now is new people who never testified, who were never part of the investigative uh, process and impeachment process in the House of Representatives. They want to just, oh, shazam, we're going to bring them in because someone uh, has told the New York Times what supposedly uh, John Bolton's manuscript says, and now that changes everything. That is just ridiculous, and I think most, most people understand that. Um, what is the ridiculousness of that? It should have been. It should have happened in the House. If Adam Schiff wanted, wanted he he called. Uh, he subpoenaed seventeen. Why not subpoena John Bolton? Uh, why not subpoena the witnesses you want then? But no, no, no. Now we're going to do it uh, here at this last minute. And like I said before, if it's if John Bolton testifies, you wait. Next week it'll be someone else. Oh no, no, we can't stop now. It's going to be someone. They just want to continue to do this because they're never going to stop. And understand that the impeachment. I say this all the time. The impeachment didn't start with the July 25th phone call last summer between President Trump and President Zelensky. Impeachment started three years earlier, July of 2016, when they opened the Trump-Russia investigation, spied on Crossfire four Amer- hurricane. Crossfire hurricane, spied on four American citizens associated with the Trump campaign, went to the FISA court and didn't tell the court important things, lied to the court, according to Michael Horowitz, not according to Jim Jordan, oh, 17 stop, times. Stop, because one thing I love to do with this show is help people catch up. Uh, in references to things that we understand here in Washington. Michael Horowitz is the Inspector General for the Department of Justice. He has written two very uh, important reports, the most recent of which details specifically wrongdoing, as he describes it, in the application and the renewal of requests for Foreign uh, Intelligence Surveillance Act court warrants to surveil Carter Page and others, just to catch people up on that. Not just wrongdoing, a 400-plus page report that that was a scathing uh, indictment of what took place at the FBI and the Department of Justice during the Crossfire Hurricane investigation. And just think of the title, first of all. I always go back. You know, the, the, maybe the two biggest investigations the FBI ran in our lifetime, the Clinton email investigation and then the, then, then, then the Trump-Russia investigation. The Clinton email investigation, run by the same people, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, Jim Comey, Andy McCabe, Jim Baker, the top people at the FBI. Uh, interestingly enough, all of them have been fired or left now. Uh, I've never seen an agency where that's happened. But think of the names they gave to each of those investigations. The Clinton investigation was called the Mid-Year Exam, something we sort of like had to get through, had to go, we're going to do this even though we know the outcome. Uh, but of course, the Trump-Russia investigation, crossfire hurricane. You can almost see Andy McCabe pounding his chest like Tarzan saying, we're going to go get this president. So even from the names they gave these investigations, you saw the bias from the get-go. Inspector General Horowitz came back with his report last month. 17 times they lied to the court in just the Carter Page FISA application, where they went to get a warrant to spy on Mr. Page associated with the Trump campaign. And there were 50 other 50 other things they did wrong in this whole process that Mr. Horowitz pointed out. Is that part of the president's sort of grievance mentality when it comes to all these issues and why he and his administration are so resistant to subpoenas and document requests and the like? Yes. Remember this. I'm the, just asking. I want the I want, phone I want your call, opinion. The phone call. Certainly the phone call happened. The phone call between President Trump and President Zelensky. July 25th. One day after. What? What happened the day before? Mueller's testimony. Mueller's, Mueller's testimony in front of the, front of the uh, House Judiciary Committee where, you know, it was a complete, complete flop. So that's all on the president's mind. He's been through this now for, for almost, well, three years he'd been, been through this. And so that's on his mind when he has this conversation. Of course that weighs on the president because what, what did he do with the, with the special counsel investigation? He let Don McGahn testify for 30 hours. He, yes. he gave everything, and he lived through we two years Cobb of this. We had Ty Cobb on this program talking about the documents and preparations for yep. witnesses and the like, and it was his strategy and others to cooperate directly with the Mueller report because they believed in the end it would vindicate the president or in large measure vindicate the president. And it did, and it did. And I think uh, you, you really saw that play out when, when Bob Mueller came to testify and frankly didn't know much about 
the 22 month before investigation. Before we go to break, because we're going to have to go to break in 30 seconds, what do you think Senate Republicans who are still on the fence about this question of witnesses are misunderstanding? Are they being disloyal to the president? I think you know you, you have to ask each of them. But well, what do you I, think? You're watching this closely. I mean, it could be it could be uh, could be the nature of their their state they represent. It could be political. Could be what they're hearing back home. It could be for a lot of reasons. They could they they just I mean may, may may in fact want to hear from witnesses. I don't know. Um, what I do know is the facts are so strongly on the president's side. The the, the president has a strong case constitutionally. He has a strong case. Uh, from a legal perspective, the lack of due process that, that, that happened in the House investigation. But most importantly, the key facts have never changed, regardless of what witnesses you're gonna, you, you may want to bring in now. We'll, those facts will not change. We will pick up on what you call the key facts in segment two. I'm Major Garrett. We're in the Rayburn House office building, the office of Jim Jordan, Congressman, 4th District of Ohio. Back for segment two in just a second. From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. As I'm sure you've seen, the president's own former chief of staff, General Kelly, um, has stated that he believes John Bolton. But more importantly, he also recognizes uh, the importance of calling John Bolton as a witness, uh, of swearing him in, of letting the senators hear from themselves uh, that very relevant testimony. That's the voice of Adam Schiff, uh, currently the House Intelligence Committee Chairman. Our guest this week is Jim Jordan, Republican from Ohio, uh, a frequent rhetorical combatant with Adam Schiff. Um, and I'd like to get your response, Congressman Jordan, to what you just heard. That was yeah. at a press conference that Adam Schiff and the other House managers have after the White House counsel concluded its mm-hmm. opening statements in the impeachment trial. Not only does he believe John Bolton should testify, but he quotes John Kelly, former chief of staff to the president, saying, I believe John Bolton, he should testify. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, like, like I said before, someone tells the New York Times what um, John Bolton's draft manuscript supposedly says, and, and we're supposed to stop the press, to stop everything. He's got to come testify. I just don't buy it. Uh, Does John uh, Kelly's voice mean anything to you in this matter? Uh, not really. Uh, I mean, look, uh, I think the facts are so clearly on the president's side. If John Bolton testifies or doesn't testify, it's not going to change the fundamental facts. I, those, mentioned, those, those, I mentioned before we went to break, you would get a chance. Articulate those from your point of view, those the, facts. These, these four facts have not changed, will not change, will never change. At the, at the, uh, we got the transcript of the call, something the Democrats didn't think the president would do. It was actually released the transcript. He releases the transcript. You can see clearly there is no quid pro quo outlined on the transcript. In fact, second fact is that Ukrainians didn't even know aid was on hold. Aid had been paused for 55. They, they didn't even know that at the time of the phone call. Third, both individuals on the call have repeatedly, repeatedly said there was no pressure, there was no pushing, there was no linkage between release of the foreign assistance money and any type of announcement of an investigation by the Ukrainians. No linkage whatsoever. And the most important fact is, tell me what the Ukrainians did. Tell me what action they took to get the aid released. Did they start an investigation? Did they promise to start an investigation? Did they announce they were going to do an investigation? It never happened. So those facts never change, have never changed, will never change, regardless of what someone thinks John Bolton's draft manuscript might say or what, what, what uh, Mr. Kelly thinks that Mr. Bolton is saying. That doesn't change those facts. So the facts are on the president's side. The constitutional argument, as Mr. Dershowitz pointed out, Mr. Dershowitz even said, let's just assume that, that what—, what uh, Mr. Bolton said is is in the manuscript that actually happened. It still is not impeachable. And then, of course, you have the whole legal due process, lack of due process argument as well. So those three arguments are so strong for the president. We know it's not going to change the outcome. He's going to be acquitted, which is the right decision. Let's get on with that. Let's get this done and get back to the people's business. So when you see John Bolton apparently wanting to testify. He said so. This manuscript suggests things that possibly could undercut the president's argument. You have John Kelly agreeing with him, saying, I believe him. Is this a cabal of former people who work directly for the president teaming up against him? And what do you think their motivations are? I mean, these are people who worked for the president. He hired them. They worked on his behalf, on behalf of this country and his agenda. He also fired him. Right. Is that what this is about? Who knows? Who knows? What who knows do you suspect? What, who knows what Mr. Kelly's uh, do, motivation do, is? There, I appreciate there... his service to our country. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But the, the question at hand right now is uh, this impeachment process, which has divided the country for four months, this impeachment process, which I think will never end. The Democrats have told us that. Al Green said the day before we started the markup in the Judiciary Committee, Al Green says, if the Senate doesn't convict, it will not end. So they are out to get this president. They've been out to get him, as I said, before he was even elected, and it will not stop. And we just need to understand that. So let's get this this crazy impeachment, ridiculous ordeal over with, and let's get focused on the things that we told the American people we're going to do. When Adam Schiff says, uh, and Chuck Schumer, the Democratic leader in the Senate, says, John Bolton is willing to testify under oath, and the president is not, and Mick Mulvaney is not, and others we have subpoenaed or would like to subpoena from the administration won't, that ought to tell you something. He's willing to tell the truth under oath. They're not willing to appear under oath. Therefore, he's more believable than those who won't appear. How do you respond to that no, line there, of argument? No, there's the whole executive privilege issue. I mean, this is... This has long-term implications, has real implications for the country and the separation of powers, the executive branch. What, what do you think is the underlying danger? Well, you, you, start, you start saying that people have to testify who, have, um, who, who work closely with the president. So then you're going you're gonna to diminish the, the ability for the chief executive to have those candid conversations that need to take place between the president and his top advisors to get the policies done that the American people elected the president to do. When, the, when you boil this all down, it's about the 63 million Americans who voted for President Trump to get the very kind of policies done that he campaigned on. I mean, one of the things he campaigned on was um, he's not a big fan of foreign aid. He ran on that. Mm-hmm. He also said, look, look, we, we know how corrupt Ukraine is. They're, they're one of the, Ernst Young said, one of the three most corrupt countries on the planet. And you had a new guy who gets elected. Oh, and the third core, key, key factor is he wants our allies to help more. It's called the whole burden sharing. I mean, how many times has he mentioned Chancellor Merkel? You need to do more, Germany, mm-hmm. to help with, with our allies. In this area. So those were key things he ran on. He was trying to implement those policies, especially in light of Zelensky's the new guy. He was the TV personality, the comedian who gets elected. And he ran on an anti-corruption platform. Let's see if this guy's legit. So for 55 days, we checked him out. And guess what? I'm convinced he's legit. I actually think he's a genuine reformer. And so was the president because we had four key meetings between senior U.S. officials and President Zelensky. And you saw the Ukrainians, the new people, his new party elected in the, in, in the Rada, their parliament, begin to take the actions they said they were going to do. So let me ask you about that from an evidentiary point of view. Uh, several of your colleagues, who I think you have very good working relationships with, Mike McCall, he has an office just down the hall from mm-hmm. here, Mac Thornberry. Uh, those are significant voices within the House Republican Party uh, on matters of national security. Ron Johnson is a senator from Wisconsin. You know him well. I think good you man. may have worked good with man. him. Yeah, good man. Uh, just those three, but there are others. Uh, during this 55-day period, uh, had their staff contact people at the Office of Management and Budget looking for explanations on the hold of the military assistance, congressionally appropriated, signed by the president. And yet, in the evidentiary record, there's no mention in the responses to these staffers working on behalf of these people you Mm -hmm. respect and work alongside about the two issues you just identified, burden sharing and corruption. If those were the reasons all along, why couldn't those people working in general collaboration with the president, because they're Republicans, get those answers? I mean, if the answers were so clear and vivid and explainable, why didn't they ever get them? Well, the, the, the answers were spelled out in the call. No, no, but the, the, but, but, you, but you know this, call. you know. But 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 in these email conversations, they never got that explanation. And it seems to me that would have been an easy explanation for the Office of Management and Budget or the Pentagon or someone to provide. They couldn't provide it, so it seems to me they were uncertain why the aid was being upheld. Well, the, but understand what was also going on. There was, was this a, so tightly held by the president gov- that nobody else knew? There was a government-wide look at foreign aid in general. There, there was a there was studying, but that the could have been mentioned. Concept. Well, it was mentioned when we when we deposed David Hale, um, uh, secretary at, at, at uh, undersecretary at the uh, Department of State. He talked about the extensive study they were doing and in a broad sense on foreign aid. So that was there. But the president mentions on the call he mentions his concern about burden sharing. He, right. he brings up he brings up Chancellor Merkel to President Zelensky. And in, in, uh, yeah, it's in the second page of the call where President Zelensky's talking about we're going to drain the swamp here like you're doing in, in the United States. But wouldn't it be more believable from an evidentiary point of view? Wouldn't it more buttress the president's argument if in these email conversations that staffers empowered by legitimate members of Congress asking a specific question about something they have a longstanding interest in, the administration said, you know what, it's a review, it's a burden sharing issue, and it's a corruption thing. All these things seem to me could have been 
communicated, communicated rapidly, and been consistent with this yeah. argument, which Democrats say wasn't the real reason at all. It's a post-game rationale to obscure what this really was about, which was about leverage but, to get political investigations and the like. But a couple things. That ignores some, some key facts, like the August 31st phone call that Senator Johnson had with the president. Where the Senator Johnson says, "Look, we, we think we think Zelensky's worth the risk. We think he's very uh, strong on that. Very strong." Um, and President kind uh, of getting in the president's face a little bit. And Senator Johnson was getting ready to travel to uh, and has an important meeting with Zelensky, along with Democrat Senator uh, uh, Murphy. Um, but in that conversation, the president says, Ron, I think you're going to like our decision. So the president was already starting to become more convinced that you know what this 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 Zelensky guy is a genuine, he's the real deal, he's legit. We're actually going to, and, and the president was, it communicated that to Senator Johnson after a pretty, pretty good exchange. And what else, did, what else did the president mention to Senator Johnson that call? He says, Ron, Germany thinks we're schmucks because we're paying it all and they won't pay. So he brought up the burden-sharing issue with Senator Johnson. A few days later, Senator Johnson goes to the meeting. And remember, this is in uh, early September when they're in Kiev, him and Senator Murphy. And the Ukrainians already know aid has been paused. Mm-hmm. They never bring up the, the fact that they have to announce an investigation to get the, the, the linkage never come. If ever there was an opportunity for it to come up, that would have been the moment because you had a bipartisan senators who'd already voted to release the money. That was the moment and that they don't bring it up. So this, this idea that there was all this pressure for them to make an announcement it just doesn't pan out. The facts do not demonstrate it at all. In fact, they show just the opposite. That's the voice of Jim Jordan. We're in his very quiet office here in the Rayburn <laughs> office building. We will continue our conversation about impeachment and other issues on the other side of this break. I'm Major Garrett. You're listening to and very much enjoying The Takeout. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. While we are creating jobs and killing terrorists, the congressional Democrats are obsessed with demented hoaxes, crazy witch hunts, and deranged partisan crusades. It's all they know how to do. The uh, very recognizable voice of the 45th President of the United States, Donald John Trump, at a rally, <clears throat> a Keep America Great rally in Wildwood, New Jersey. That was on Tuesday of this week. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm Major Garrett. Back in the, and remaining in, the very quiet kind of sterile uh, office of Jim Jordan here in uh, the Rayburn House <laughs> office building uh, for the, this conversation of the takeout. Um, I, I listened intently, uh, Congressman, to the president's legal counsel. Uh, they use much less time than the Democrats did. And I heard two things, and I want to help, if you can, have you help me understand. At one point I heard them to say he didn't do it, and there's no evidence he did it, and all the witnesses buttress the fact that he didn't do it. And then I heard, even if he did it, it's not impeachable. So which is it? Uh, the, the facts support the president uh, completely. Do you, which which argument reason, do, you, do you believe and do you find more compelling and persuasive? He did it and it's not impeachable or he never did it? He never did it. I mean, the facts, I think uh, that's why, that's why we've, we've focused on the facts uh, that, that I talked about earlier. Uh, the reason the president's defense team took less time is because uh, a couple hours of facts beats, you know, 21 hours of Adam Schiff talking about presumptions, assumptions, and hearsay. Their, their, case, was, their case was built on all that. I mean, they brought in all these witnesses who said someone told me what someone else said about something that might have happened. It was that was their case. I mean, we had Sondland, so the, the, Ambassador Sondland, for Ambassador the Sondland, their number one witnesses. Gordon cited, Sondland, EU ambassador, cited six hundred eleven times in their report. He was went, we, we went through and checked who did they cite most in their twenty one hour presentation? Gordon Sondland. Which video clips did they use most of? Gordon Sondland, the same Gordon Sondland who had to amend his deposition testimony, had to make seven corrections to to his testimony when he was deposed. That's the guy that was their main witness, the guy who who talked about, you know, so-and-so told so-and-so what someone else said to somebody else, and that was the basis of their impeachment. His, his testimony was there was a quid pro quo on a meeting with Zelensky and the president, but there was a presumption that there was a link between the aid 
and the announcement of investigations. Yeah, and I asked him in, during the hearing, I said, because uh, he talked about um, the quid pro quo, I said, when did it happen? And he's, his response is, when did what happen? When did, the, when, did it, when did the announcement happen? If they had to announce that they were doing an investigation to get the aid, when the announcement happened? Well, it didn't. And they got the money, they got the meeting, and they got the call. So there was no action taken. By, and to me, that's the whole case. If it was a quid pro quo, and that's what they said. Remember, the day before um, September 24th, when Nancy Pelosi announces they're going to start an impeachment investigation, before she's even seen the transcript, by the way, because the transcript wasn't released until the September 25th, she announces impeachment investigation, and it was all about this quid pro quo. That was all the talk. And then we get the call transcript, <clears throat> and they're like, well, maybe not so much a quid pro quo. But then later they come back to the quid pro quo. That never happened. It never, they got the call, they got the money, they got the meeting, and there was never an announcement from the Ukrainians that they were going to do any kind of investigation into Burisma or the Bidens. And Burisma is, to remind our audience. The company Hunter Biden worked for, well, I don't know if he worked for him, but he got paid. He was on the board of directors. Uh, Corporate governance was the theoretical area of expertise he brought. It has a long history uh, from the vantage point of not only the United States, but others of being corrupt and have uh, an oligarch and corrupt people in and around that company just sure to does. remind people so jake i want you to have for us now this is soundbite number two uh, again the recognizable voice of adam schiff uh talking about this idea that if there is a vote to recall and to call in the senate trial additional witnesses and john bolton is one of them the white house as you indicated early or earlier would assert executive privilege and the legal wrangling that might ensue please play that now jake number two The president's lawyers are this duplicitous, I kid you not. They come into the Senate, which they refer to as a court, and they say the House should have sued in court to enforce subpoenas on witnesses like John Bolton, and they go to court and they say the House may not sue in court to compel a witness to testify. That's basically it. Are we going to get a fair trial or are we not? Just to catch the audience up, that reference at the end of that soundbite, they go to court and they say the House may not sue in court to compel a witness to testify is about a separate matter dealing with Don McGahn, the former White House counsel. So the shift contention is, wait a minute, if you tell us to go to court to compel John Bolton to testify for the House investigation and the position of the White House in a separate matter, but also relevant, Don McGahn, is you can't go to court to compel testimony that's a ridiculous argument because you're saying one thing on one hand and arguing another legal point on the other. Yeah, but Adam, but remember, Don McGahn t- testified, um, was deposed for over 30 hours by the special, by the special counsel. So Adam Schiff, can't, he's trying to have it both ways. Um, he, so both sides hours, are having to have it both ways. Well, but no, but remember, and Don McGahn testified for 30 hours and there were White House lawyers present. Tell me, tell me when White House lawyers were present for any depositions that took place in the House. Zero. Adam Schiff wouldn't let him. Adam Schiff also would not let agents. There would have been more witnesses come forward and testify if Adam Schiff would have allowed agency counsel to be there. So n- not, not, not the White House legal team, not Pat Cipollone and the White House counsel, but just State Department lawyers, if they could have come with some of the witnesses. Some of the witnesses said, no. Adam Schiff said, nope, we're not going to let. I, I've been on the oversight committee for a long time. I've been in Congress 13 years. We've been through lots of these depositions. I was on the Benghazi uh, Select Committee. The Benghazi we had people who had left government like Cheryl Mills, who had her own private counsel. But guess what? There was also State Department lawyers present for her depositions. Adam Schiff said, nope, we're not going to allow that. So now for Adam Schiff to make this comparison to Don McGahn, who sat for 30 hours in front of the special counsel, that is ridiculous. So Adam Schiff has said so many things over the, you know, we listened to him for more than half of the 21 hours, I think, the, the, the House management uh, team, House managers put on their case. Um, this is the same Adam Schiff who for two years told us there's more than circumstantial evidence that President Trump colluded with Russia to impact the 2016 election. That was false. This is the same Adam Schiff who said, oh, oh, the Nunes memo. That wasn't accurate. Michael Horowitz just told us last month it was totally accurate. The only thing Devin Nunes got wrong in his memo, it was worse than we thought. Adam Schiff is the same, same guy who said the FISA process was just fine with, with Carter Page. Oh, really? Mr. Horowitz just did an investigation, and, 400 and the pages. the Justice Department now admits it wasn't. Yeah. And filed it, court papers. And you know who else admitted it was wrong? You know who else admitted it was wrong on, on national television? Jim Comey. Jim Comey said, he said, I was wrong. I was overconfident. 
two sentences, you know, six, you know, consecutive sentences from Jim Comey that I never thought I would hear. I never thought I'd hear Jim Comey say he was wrong and he was overconfident. Um, so, so Adam Schiff has said, Adam Schiff has said that, oh, we're going to hear from the whistleblower. We look forward to hearing from the whistleblower. Adam Schiff said, we've had no contact with the whistleblower when in fact his office had met with them. So now we're supposed to believe everything Adam Schiff says for, you know, 10 and a half hours of a 21 hour presentation. I think I think a lot of Americans say, okay, we, we've we've ha- we've heard enough from Adam Schiff. All right, now I want to go back to this because you you have a voice and you're not a disinterested party. You've I, I believe you've been over to the Senate a little bit uh, to w- observe some of this. Um, so I want to give you a a, a moment. Uh, let's just say uh, in theory, Mitt Romney, Lisa Murkowski, Lamar Alexander, and Susan Collins are listening to this Friday morning because it'll be released. 9 a.m. Friday morning here in Washington. That's before there'll be a debate on whether there'll be uh, depositions and documents and a big vote. Talk to them about why they should not vote for witnesses. Yeah, because it'll never end. As I said this, this but early. is that an argument? I mean, for them, they're like, I'd like to hear from John Bolton. You're saying don't listen to John Bolton because there'll be somebody else. This this attack is. I mean, remember, it started it started in July of 2016 with the the, the Trump Russia investigation. This Congress it started with the Michael Michael Cohen, the first announced witness of the first big hearing, first announced witness Michael Cohen. That was that was going to be. Then they were going to get him on this emoluments issue. Then it was oh, it was the White House security clearance issue. They were going to go after Jared and Ivanka uh, on on the White House security thing. Then of course it was it was the Mueller investigation, and so it'll it so will never words, stop. So depositions and. And documents is a rabbit hole. The the whole thing is like it is never going to end. They they announced impeachment. Nine of the, excuse me, sixteen of the uh, Judiciary Committee members voted to move forward with impeachment before the phone call between President Trump and President Zelensky ever happened. So this is this is the pattern. It's going to go. Do you really want to continue to put our country? through what's now been four months of an impeachment investigation. Do you really want to do that, do that knowing that it'll never be enough for these guys? There's always going to be something else. Just look at what they've said. And would a vote for witnesses from anyone, but Senate Republicans in particular, be an act from your vantage point hostile to the Constitution? I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's something that's just simply not warranted. They had an opportunity to call whatever witnesses they want. They got to pick all their witnesses. We've had zero. So now if they go with Bolton, as I said earlier, the score is going to go from 17 to zero to 18 to zero. And my point is it will not stop there because I don't think it's ever going to change the outcome. The outcome, we all know this president deserves to be acquitted. The facts are on his side. The Constitution is on his side. If you're going to just keep prolonging this, the Democrats are always going to want more. That's the voice of Jim Jordan. Come back for segment four of The Takeout on the other side of this break. From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. No food this week. We're not at a restaurant. We're in the Rayburn House office building, the office of Never Congressman Jim Jordan. You're, You're not. You're that not. No, well, next no. time we'll do it at a, at a restaurant. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. There we go. If we have you back. Yeah. You know, you yeah. know, you, you got to make the greatest. Well, that's true. Time. Like, we're done. You were terrible, Jordan. We're never bringing you back, man. <laughs> um, you were once asked, I believe on television, if, in your opinion, President Trump has ever said anything to you that is untrue. I think the question was, has the president ever lied to you? And you mm-hmm. said no. Nope. Is that still true? Yeah. Yeah, no. That's, uh, look, I, I tell... When, when the president is accused of lying, uh, telling falsehoods, getting things habitually, factually incorrect, you say what to that accusation? Never, never, uh, never lie to me. Um, I tell people all the time, I, I probably do this every speech, particularly back home, but but anywhere. I wish every single American could meet the president. I really do. Because when you're around him, you cannot help but like him. There is, what is it? <clears throat> there is an energy about him. There's a charisma about him. Um, he is, um, you can tell he loves, our, he loves our troops. He loves our law enforcement, military. He just loves the country. And you, you feel it. He's fun to be. I, I, I mean, I talk with him, it seems fairly often on the phone. And I don't know if there's ever been a conversation where, on the phone where at some point I don't laugh at something. He is just that kind of engaging person. And I, I like I said, I, I really do wish every single okay. American could spend time with him because you, you will see his genuine concern for this country um, and, and, and the love he has for what this nation has given him and, and, and the opportunity it offers to so let, many others. Let me rephrase the question. How would you describe his relationship to facts or the truth? 
I mean, I think the I think the president is has a way of talking that um, uh, that people connect with. Uh, I like the fact that he tweets. I like the fact that he. I mean, I like the fact that he's taken on this town. Um, Why? Because it needed it. I mean, that you know, I, I say what all the time. What was missing that you, he provides? He's willing to come here and do what 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 so many times Republicans have said they're going to do, and then get to this town and don't do it. I, I, I Which mean, is what? Do what he said. You know, like stand up. Uh, uh, I say we always make this job way too complicated. It's pretty basic. What'd you campaign on? What'd you tell the American people you were going to do when when they gave you the privilege to go represent them, their family, their community, their business? Um, go do that. Do what you said you would do. And this president's doing it. He is. He, he, you know, think about this example. How many in our lifetimes? I bet every single Republican and presidential candidate, um, or a Democrat presidential candidate, has said, "If you elect me." I'll put the embassy in Jerusalem. And then they get elected, Republican or Democrat, they get elected, and they come up with a million reasons why they can't do what they said they were going to do. This president said, you know what? I'm going to do it. And this whole town said, oh, no, no, you shouldn't do it. Even though you campaigned on it, you shouldn't do it. State Department told him, oh, no, you're all these smart people at the State Department who think they know more than all of us, told the president, you shouldn't do that. He does it, and it's fine. He got out of the Iran deal. Embassies in, in, in now in Jerusalem. Hostages came home from North Korea. He said he's going to cut taxes. He cut taxes. Unemployment's the lowest it's been in 50 years. That's what the American people appreciate. And um, they appreciate the fact that he is, he's willing to say it like he sees it uh, and then do what he says. I've heard Trump supporters tell me many times he may get the facts wrong, but I was sick of politicians who always got their facts right but lied to me anyway. He doesn't lie to me. I know where he's going and whether he gets the facts yeah. right or wrong. Is that your general? Is that what you're trying to describe? People appreciate the, 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 the fact that he is willing to come to this town and, and, and do the things that they've always wanted done. Um, and maybe he says it a little different than the typical politician, but people like that. So among the very first conversations you and I ever had was about wrestling. Hmm. You asked about my son, who was a high school wrestler yeah. at the time. This is an important part of your life, is it not? Sure is. You're proud of it. I am. You were a national champion. Way back when, yeah, a long time Two ago. Two years, three years? Twice. Okay. I want to ask you a couple questions about this, um, because your name has come up in relationship to Ohio State University. Mm -hmm. And there are those who have suggested, and in some cases alleged, you knew more than you have disclosed publicly about sexual abuse there. Did you? Nope. It's an absolute lie. Uh, if I'd have known that any of our athletes that, that uh, were being harmed, we'd have done something about it. Uh, uh, me and the head coach and the other coaches we had. Uh, I mean, the idea that well, I wouldn't stand up and, and defend our athletes if I thought harm was happening to them is ridiculous. Um, we were talking earlier. I've taken on the Speaker of the House for my own state, my own party. Um, that wasn't easy, but I did it because I thought he wasn't doing what we told the American people we were going to do. So I've taken on the FBI, the IRS, uh, taken on Adam Schiff and a host of other things. So the, the idea that I wouldn't stand up for athletes is ridiculous, but uh, it's not true. The, the, the two individuals who've, who've uh, said that, oh, he, he knew something and we told him about it. Uh, one of them has been 18 months in prison for fraud. The other individual was some referee who just came out about a, I don't know, a few months ago this, this story came out. Um, and, of course, he's taken down all his social media posts and everything else. It's a complete lie what he said. So, um, unfortunately, that there are people who say these kind of things, but it's just not true. It has been suggested that you have been unwilling to cooperate in investigations. Is that true? No, I, I sat for the interview. Uh, we were deposed by the, uh, the law firm who did the investigation. So, yeah, it was like a... I don't know, an hour, hour and a half interview. And as you mentioned, the coaches are not implicated. A physician is implicated. Yeah, right. This, they're, they're saying this, this physician who passed away like 15 years ago, um, they're, 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 the, the charges that he abused them 25, 30 mm -hmm. years ago. Do you believe wrestlers were abused? Uh, that, you have to, that, I, I didn't know anything about it. That's, that's, if, they, if they think they are, then you know, that's, that's terrible. And certainly if they were harmed, um, we want that to be remedied as best it can at this point, but uh, we knew nothing about that. And you saw nothing either directly or that would indicate something was going wrong? Never did. Never, Never did. did. And so when you look back on that part of your life, you look back with a completely clear conscience. Oh, yeah, certainly. And I, I look back at it, you know, these are guys that you trained with, the guys you helped. Uh, and the vast majority of them have said the same thing I have. All, the vast majority of the athletes who work for us, every single coach has said the same thing I have. Every single coach has said the same thing that the head coach has said. And the reason they've all said the same thing we've said is because it's the truth. So there are a handful who've said, that, you know, made this allegation. 
uh, and there are some others in some other sports that the doctor uh, uh, dealt with, but the vast majority have said the exact same thing that, that uh, the head coach and I have said and all the other coaches have said, and the reason they've said that is because that's the truth. Do you believe any part of your visibility in the matter we've been discussing all the show, meaning impeachment and other related matters, has made you a target and brought about this? Well, <laughs> yes. I mean, it's, this is sort. Of, I mean, I, I forget who was telling me that that they were at uh, uh, CNN. But if you were Jim Jordan, meek and mild, and not involved in this, these allegations wouldn't have come your way. Well, it's it kind of interesting when it all when it all happened. It happened uh, the the when you know we were talking about running for just talked about running for speaker. Um, You've been in these high-profile investigations with the IRS, with Benghazi, and then, of course, now with, um, with the impeachment proceedings. I, I think we, the story that NBC ran this past fall it was like the day of uh, or maybe the day before that it was announced. And when, when there was all this talk about me going on the intel committee and being moved over there by, by uh, Leader McCarthy, this, the NBC story comes out about this this referee who suddenly remembers, even though he never said anything for all these years, and never said anything when the story broke a year and a half ago. Uh, then there's this story. So yeah, you you you, you kind of think the timing of this is is pretty suspect. And just to close this out, you're willing to talk to anybody under any circumstances about what you knew, didn't do, did or didn't on this. Yeah, I did that. We we talked to. Uh, and if anyone else requests and more, it, it, you'll it, cooperate. It, interesting enough that the law firm doing the investigation, Perkins Coie, the same law firm that the Clintons hired, uh, who then hired Fusion GPS, who then hired. It was kind of interesting when the time it happened. It was the Perkins Coie law firm who was doing the investigation in this whole thing. So I sat with the folks from Perkins Coie law firm. We we did a, I don't know, hour hour and a half uh, the deposition that uh, they conducted. That's the voice of Jim Jordan. Stay with us for the Takeout Especial coming up next. I'm Major Garrett. It's been the Takeout. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Hi, welcome back. We're not in a bunker. It looks like it, but we're not. No, we're just in the house office building of Jim Jordan. Republican from Ohio, 4th District. Where is that? Let my audience know where that is. West Central, North Central Ohio, God's country. Uh, We're... uh, Amazing district. Um, there are 435. Erie? No, no, no. We, we, we're we're uh, north of Columbus, uh, north of Dayton, kind of and west of, west of Columbus. And then we get all up near Cleveland. So, But we have no big, I mean. We have no big suburbs. No, no big suburbs. We got the big urban centers. Leary in the north, Lima in the west. Lima. Uh, Marysville. Right. Not Lima, Lima. Lima, sure, yeah. In Ohio, we say everything different. It's not, we got we got a Versailles. We got, <laughs> it's, it's Lima. We, we say it all. We have a little town, Rushi. Okay. Looks just like Russia, but it's Rushi, Ohio. I've represented it forever. It's a great community. Um, big manufacturing, one of the top manufacturing districts in the country. Started the Ag Belt, mm-hmm. um, and we're doing great. Uh, the Trump economy has been really good for, for Ohio. Why don't you wear a jacket? It's sort of, you know, I don't know. I'm getting these committee hearings, and, you know, you're getting fired up. Uh, I, I tell people, now that I'm old, the closest thing I get to wrestling is one of these committee hearings where, where I think someone's on the witness stand who's been, you know, not been square with us. Um, maybe misinformed us or done some things that, that the folks I get to represent don't like. And so you sort of got to get after them. You can't really do that with a jacket kind of slowing you down and inhibiting you. So you I just sort of got, I got in the habit of taking it off. And now I just sort of it's keep it It's kind of an affectation now, isn't it? Well, I, I mean, I wear it around the president, uh, obviously. And then uh, on the House floor, you have to wear it. So, um, And if you go over to the Senate, you got to wear it. Got to wear it in the Senate. Someone, in fact, someone just got on me the other day. I was, And I wasn't even in the Senate because I haven't walked into the chamber. But I was right outside it near the vice president's office and one of the sergeant arms or somebody said uh, uh congressman you need to wear your jacket and i'm like oh okay well, sorry about that i didn't realize so i put it on so um we have uh during the especial three threshold questions okay. we asked every single no, guest yeah. no 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 these fun and games questions fun and games but they're revealing and our audience loves the answers to them so in no particular order yeah uh one of the most influential books or the most influential book in your life uh, your all-time favorite movie or one of your favorite movies. Oh. And if you're on a long drive or a long flight, 
What kind of music, artist, or genre are you most likely to I listen to? I don't listen to much music, so that, that's, that's easy. So I'm on a flight, it wouldn't be that. I would watch a movie. Um, you, you, there's no music that you like in particular? Not really. My wife does. She's... So I'm like, I got no artistic talent. Uh, you know, I can't. I mean, that's why I'm in politics, maybe. But uh, <laughs> my wife is an artist. She's very talented. Um, she can sing, dance. She was the lead in all the high school plays at our, at our school. And she did, the, she did the painting for um, the First Lady, the First Lady's Luncheon. Um, she did an amazing painting. Uh, uh, the First Lady has the Be Best program. And Polly mm-hmm. did, did a painting for that. Really, I mean, I've never seen her work so hard because you know, doing it for the first lady she was. So, uh, but I don't have, uh, now I like movies. Um, so, all right, well, let me ask you this. If she's in charge of the music and she plays something, uh, what are you most agreeable to? The 70s stuff, the Karen Carpenter stuff. You know, that, 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 let me repeat that. Everyone thinks I'm a sissy now. Karen yeah. Carpenter. <laughs> That's what she does. Let me repeat that <laughs> one more time. Karen yeah. Carpenter. Yeah. Now the we all know. I know ever something. Ever reference on this program to Karen Carpenter? Well, that's my wife, and she loves that stuff. Okay. Uh, now, and I, you're agreeable to it. You like it? Yeah, too. it was good. Um, we did go to a Garth Brooks concert. That was fun. Okay. Yeah, that was. Uh, we went to uh, with our uh, oldest son and his and his wife. Uh, that was like last summer, the summer before. I was good. Garth is really good. So I kind of like. I like that kind of show. Country. A lot of fun. Yeah, I like that kind of country. Music. Got it. Yeah. Okay. But I, but I wouldn't put it on in a plane or anything like that. I, I, I would Understood. read or write or whatever I get it. Understood. Uh, book. Um, the, I mean, scripture. We're going. We, we've of done. Of course, that's always done, acceptable. We, we've done. We, no, no, no. But we we we're doing my my she Polly. Uh, we 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 made this little deal like because uh, I work out. I got to go at least five days a week. And uh, and yet she reads the Bible like every day. So I said, I got to do more of reading the Bible. You can do more of the workouts. And so we're, we're trying to do a little bit more of each of those. So we're doing this thing through the Bible through the year. And we're on pace. We've done all 20, what are we, January 20, what is it, day 27th or something like that? So we've, 29th. Is today. 29th today. Okay, so we've done done every day. We've done that before. So we that, that's important. Try to keep you keep you focused a little better anything in the uh outside of the spiritual world that it was i'm reading uh, a, a churchill book, book now uh but i've been, been that's slow life. yeah i've been slow um so that that's uh i'm trying to think of some others that have that have uh i liked all the um the gladwell books all mm-hmm. those Malcolm uh, gladwell what what uh, uh blink and and mm-hmm. those those were those were all I, I found uh very interesting so uh read those um and then um, when you have you do you like uh, political biographies of people who are significant in politics, some, present or past? Yeah, I've done some. Um, I've read some Reagan stuff in, in the past. But uh, so, yeah, I've done some of that. Got it. Uh, movie. Any Cosner sports movie like Love of the Game was was great. Uh, Tin Cup is hilarious because it reminds you of like, you know, back in your days in sports, talking to your buddies. So any Kevin Cosner sport, Bull movie. Durham. Yeah, well, no, I like Draft Day too because Cleveland. You know, mm-hmm. now, 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 our son and daughter. Bing, Bing, up there. Bing, Bing, touchdown. We like boom, boom. <laughs> we like uh, we like uh, we like that one. Um, I just saw a great movie the other night that just it's been out a few years ago, but I watched it with our boys. Um, the accountant that was good, mm-hmm. yeah, like that one. And then there's these recent ones. So if you haven't seen uh, Midway, watch Midway. We, we hadn't been to a movie in a, in a while, but over Thanksgiving, the middle of this impeachment thing, we had a couple breaks, uh, couple, you know, a couple days off. So um, Polly and I saw um, Midway, which was, was really good. Ford versus Ferrari, really good. And then Little Women, we watched that. Um, I think that's the sixth version. Yeah, that, it, it was very good. Uh, we watched that at Christmas with one, with one of our daughters when, when she was home. So uh, those are all some, some recent ones that are good. Do me a favor and do our audience a favor from your perspective. Uh, and so the audience knows you are a, one of the early members of the Freedom Caucus, right? You took on House Speaker Boehner. Um, some would say you were part of uh, a group that tried to drive him out and not successfully did drive him out. Would you, would you agree with that? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, I noticed you have pictures of him in your credenza. Uh, <laughs> do you think he has pictures of you in his credenza? I doubt it. Okay. I doubt it. Yeah. Well, just to clarify. Um, but from your political vantage point, let me just ask you a couple of uh, questions. President Trump wins Ohio yes, uh, in 2020. Definitely. Same yeah. margin as the 2016 or larger? Uh, I think larger. He won, it was he big in 2016. Eight and a half points. Um, you could feel it. You could feel it happening. But uh, I did an event last midterm election. So the Saturday before the 2018 midterm election. And I, I was on the other side of the state, the eastern side of the state, doing an event, a uh, Republican event in Youngstown. And there were like 500 people there. I mean, I didn't think there were 500 Republicans in Youngstown, but the 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 the, the Republican Party is different today. And I think I think it was Jared who said this, but some, someone said Jared it. Jared Kushner. Yeah, someone said uh, we we are no longer the wine and cheese 
party. We're the beer and blue jeans party. And that is that is very true. Uh, what President Trump has done is is realign the party, and I think a very positive way, a more populist party, but a party still rooted in conservative principles, which is what I think the party should be. Um, and it fits Ohio. It, it, Ohio is strong for the president. It will go strong for the president again. So probably 10 points is your uh, I think guess. so. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he wins re-election, yes or no? Yes, definitely. I mean, Larger look, look. margin or smaller margin electoral college-wise than 2016? Uh, I think potentially larger. Um, and if he wins big, we can take back the House. Um, and I think there's a real chance he wins big. You look at the Democrats, who they put on the stage and who their nominee may be. I mean, I just don't see any of them beating the president. I mean, think about it in a debate. With, is, is Elizabeth Warren in a debate with, with, with President Who's going to win that? Bernie Sanders in a debate with, with President Trump. I mean, you just look at the, the field. I think the president has – and plus you got all the, the, the you know, record low unemployment, taxes cut, regulations reduced, economy growing at an unbelievable pace. Uh, Dow hits 29,000 uh, out of the, uh, the, the Iran deal, embassy in Jerusalem, hostages home from North Korea, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh on the court, new USMCA, uh, Soleimani, and, and now Baghdadi are eliminated. I mean, you can just go down the list. It's an amazing list of things that have happened under the leadership of President Trump. And you put all that together with – just his his ability, to, I think, on the debate stage, I think he wins big. Last question. Has impeachment been politically a net plus or negative for the president? Uh, you never want it to happen. Um, and, and let's hope it gets over with here, you know, this week. But uh, I don't think it's hurt him. I really don't. And, and in some ways it may have, uh, you know, sometimes the best polling is the fundraising. And the fundraising for the president and for Republicans has been off the charts. I mean, we've we've seen it ourselves. So um, I think I think overall it, it could be a net positive, even though it's it's terrible that the country had to go through it. That's the voice of Jim Jordan. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks. See you next week, folks. For more from this week's conversation, download the Takeout Outtake Especial Tuesday morning wherever you get your podcasts. The Takeout is produced by Arden Farin, Jamie Benson, Sarah Cook, and Ellie Watson. CBSN production by Eric Susanen and Grace Seegers. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Takeout Podcast. That's at Takeout Podcast. And for more, visit TakeoutPodcast.com. The Takeout is a production of CBS News Radio. If you like The Takeout, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go... Tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com slash survey. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. I'm CBS News correspondent Major Garrett, host of the podcast Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen. During the Cold War, FBI agent Robert Hansen traded classified secrets to the Kremlin in exchange for cash and jewels. In the podcast, you'll hear from Hansen's closest friends, family members, victims, and colleagues for the most comprehensive telling of who Robert Hansen really was. Binge the entire series now. Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen is available on the Wondery app, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.